Hey friend, I'm Karna Atkinson and this is the Hidden Jewels Podcast. It seems like social media is like a loud toddler trying to get my attention every day and all day. Mom, 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 mom. Well, my mentor, Roxanne Parks, and I are here to give some space for some amazing women to pour into your soul. We need this, y'all. And today, we are going to talk to my mom. She is a treasure of steadfast wisdom. Today, she's going to be sharing a bit about fear. And if you tell me you haven't struggled with that, I'm going to call you out right now. You're a liar. No way that is true. And I am so excited to free you up today to rest in the safe arms of Jesus. Let's get to it. Friends, I am so, so, so excited today because <laughs> on our episode today, we have my mom and yeah. <laughs> yes, we're so excited. And it's just a real um, honor for me. I am so blessed to have a mom that has just poured in so much wisdom uh, into my life, my whole life. So uh, she really is a remarkable woman who I think has played a part in the background um, through a lot of my life where people don't know how amazing she is. And so, and it wasn't because I was, you know, front and center necessarily, but my dad was a pastor. She has served quietly my dad all these years and um, had really made it possible for him to do all the ministry that he did, um, which was also remarkable. So she is this boatload of wisdom <laughs> that I, I'm just really ready for everyone to hear all of these things. <laughs> that I know about you. Oh, well, so, um, <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, no pressure, no pressure. I think yeah. you guys are really <laughs> no pressure, mom. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you guys are really going to, um, have some real aha moments and some, some truth that's really going to help you in your everyday life. So mom, um, <laughs> whose name is Linda Larson. So you're 79. Yes, I am 79. Yes. Um, you've been around mom. I sure have. (laughs) Hey mom, you deserve that gray hair. That's (laughs) yeah. If you guys are not watching on YouTube, you can pop over to YouTube and watch this podcast and see her beautiful hair. It's what I aspire to. Uh, why don't you just tell us about growing up and maybe, um, how you came to know the Lord. We'll just start there. Well, I, was an only child. And so it was always um, just my mom and dad and me uh, living together. Uh, We also were part though of extended family. Both of my parents had um, eight children in their families. And uh, so there were always lots of people, but my parents and I formed a a unit and um, we did everything together. We lived uh, in a town where we walked every place. It was like a big deal to get a cab because uh, my parents never had a car until I was 11. And so we just were always together. And it was a, an interesting life in that um, it was limiting in some ways, but then it was just so wonderful too to just enjoy their company and to be with them. And I look back and I, um, I just look back at my parents with such admiration uh, because they, they grew up during the depression 
and uh, had to get jobs after they had uh, grown up, of course, and gotten out of high school. And, you know, there were not jobs at, at that point. And, um, and they really had to hustle. And they were not the only people doing that. All of my aunts and uncles have that same kind of story. And the, they, the men enlisted in, in services uh, to go to war. My father was away for like over a year, year and a half maybe. Uh, when I was little, and I can, I have this vague memory of going to pick him up when he got out mm -hmm. to come home. And um, I can just see, you know, in this um, huge parking lot. And we were with my aunt and uncle, and I can still hear them saying, there he is. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea who they were even talking about. Mm -hmm. And um, it was, you know, so it was a while before I became acquainted with him again. But they always worked hard mm -hmm. and they uh, they came from families that worked hard. Uh, they came from families that tried to do what was right. And, you know, I talked a little bit about like one of my grandmothers and uh, my grandfather. They lived in, a, in downtown Alexandria, Virginia, if you've ever been there. Mm -hmm. And they were in what my dad called the ghetto. Now it's called Old Town Alexandria and people pay huge money to live there. Um, but they they lived there and the ladies there during the, the summer would buy food to keep on hand for the winter because my, my grandfather's job was not seasonal, but it was slow in the winter. And so they would buy food for their families and they would can and preserve things. But the thing that impressed me was that they also would buy extra. And my grandmother had um, these, uh, basically they were trash cans, but they became like kind of uh, airtight and they would put things in there, not for themselves, but for the families that they knew we're going to need that when winter came. Mm -hmm. And th those families were uh, all um, African-American families that lived in shanties. Mm -hmm. And they had, you know, they would work when they had jobs and, and then, you know, they had nothing. And so those ladies prepared. I always thought that was a, a beautiful thing, that that was the mindset that came with my parents, that you are always prepared to give and you know my parents didn't have much of anything and yet they gave mm -hmm. and and that was always the way they they looked at life well I know um one of the things that just you struggled with growing up was fear yes uh, and I'm, I've often wondered why particularly yeah. um I you know I think we come pre-wired in some ways um mm -hmm. And then there are circumstances that make us certain ways as well. Well, I have no answers for that in terms of myself, mm -hmm. but I know I was super, super afraid. When I went to school, I was just a wreck. I uh, threw up every morning. Mm -hmm. I was so afraid to go to school. And actually, I don't remember anything awful happening. Right. I was mm -hmm. just so nervous. And um, 
you know, in fact, I never, I stopped eating breakfast and I never ate breakfast until um, I had to eat breakfast to go do my student teaching mm -hmm. when I was in college. And I, because I couldn't last, it was just, I couldn't live without having some intake of food. And, uh, and I can remember just forcing myself saying, you know, you have to do this, Linda. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I just, I was so nervous about life, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, and I still don't really have an explanation for that. It's, but I do think it was um, in some ways, um, something good mm. in that I had to come to grips with that and I had to handle it I had to do it nobody could do it for me yeah. and I can remember thinking at times in uh, eighth grade high school and I thought to myself I don't want to do that I don't want to be that way anymore mm -hmm. and so in little ways I would find ways to make myself comfortable I'd read this uh, article in the scholastic magazine I remember in elementary school and it said, you know, if you're gonna give a speech, you should do these things and um, to get ready for it. And so, you know, we always, everybody always had to give speeches for different things. And I would, oh, I'd be a wreck thinking about that. And so it said, one of the things it said was to prepare for that, wear something you like. And I did. I said, mm -hmm. oh, I can do that. Mm -hmm. I can wear something I like. So easy. And, and, so easy. Yeah. Huh? Right. <laughs> and, and that kind of held me in good stead later that mm -hmm. I would choose something in which I was comfortable in order to enter in. And, uh, and I can remember in high school thinking, I don't want to be this way anymore. And, and learning how to ask questions of other people so that they were talking. I didn't have to worry about what I was saying. And, mm -hmm. you know, people love talking about themselves. Yeah. Here I am. Yeah, here you are. Right? <laughs> and um, so, yes, I was very afraid and I mm -hmm. still, um, I still grapple with it. I'm almost, right. oh, I'm almost 80. And yet I still, when I'm faced with something new, I still have to kind of um, take my deep breath and, yeah. and do it uh, because I don't want to not do life right yeah I want to do it yeah that's something that's really served me well as your daughter <laughs> because um I mean we wouldn't be at this podcast if you had not right. taught me this because well and neither one of you none of us would be anywhere if we listened to our fears and mm -hmm. Linda you said you said we all seem to be pre-wired with some kind of fear why do why do we think that's true I don't know that it's some kind of fear. I think it's, uh, I, and I don't know that we're pre-wired. I just think maybe there was something that came in me that made me shy or something like that. Yeah, like and, a personality. and it was, and it was easy to be that way because, you know, my parents' life was pretty narrow. I didn't really have to face a lot of things. Mm. Uh, well, Linda, I want to address all the introverts listening to this podcast. <laughs> Because you introverts, <laughs> I think, struggle more with fear in public scenarios. And we extroverts know the gold inside of you introverts. Yeah. But very often fear keeps it from coming out. I'm su super glad to highlight you today because 
you're not the kind that will jump on the box and wave the stand and say, God taught me this. And, and we're, we're honored to have you here to teach us this. I love when you said at a minimum, show up wearing something you like. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> but you know what? For an introvert, that's, that's huge. Oh, yeah. Even if you're going to church or you're going to Sunday school or you're going to uh, the public scenario, I, that is so simple and so practical. At least wear something you like. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Something hey. you feel good in. Yeah. I, I was going to say that I just, um, you know, you had this goal. We've talked about this, that I wouldn't walk through life. That's afraid. right. Yes. But I also kind of had that tendency to be shy and be soft-spoken and, um, you know, want to hide in the background and, you were like, no, <laughs> I didn't have that option. She, no. she really pushed me to do things that I was scared to do. And, um, you know, and dad gave me mm-hmm. that piece of, but how old was I when he told me that? Oh, you weren't even four. Yeah. He said to me, I was nervous about being Mary in the Christmas program, <laughs> being Mary in the Christmas program. There we go. And I, he said, well, sometimes we just have to take a deep breath and do it. And, um, and that's been, that's really served me well, that you and dad both really pushed me, um, to do the hard things. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that I'm not still sometimes shy on the inside, but, um, I've learned to really take that deep breath and, and do the thing that's hard because I don't want to miss out. Right. I I think that's, that was one of my goals for you too, that, um, that you and you and Eric be uh, have the opportunity to try things right and you aren't going to like everything you're not going to play every sport uh, mm-hmm. but if you want to try tap dancing let's do it yeah and that uh, was fun yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i wish i hadn't given that up oh yeah we had a real career in that Karen mm-hmm. and i took tap dancing lessons together yeah uh, <laughs> if we had more room on the screen, we might just sure. show you guys at some point, sure. but yeah, not no, today, another time, or another day. <laughs> yes. Um, so mom, you, uh, kind of grew up there and I just think that there's, that was, it was a gift, I think, because somehow in that fear, I think it kind of led you to the Lord. It did. Yes. I think so. that's very true. Um, and you met dad. That was kind of. Are we moving ahead to that time? Yeah. Life? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, that was really uh, life changing, obviously. But it was a. It was such a a turning point. Um, I was out of college. I was working on my master's, and I was teaching, and and we met on um, a blind date, and. Uh, I had decided shortly before that I didn't really want to date anymore. I was uh, 26 and I'm saying, oh, I just don't know if I want to go on any more first dates. This is just, yes, the same questions. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I just thought, I, I just don't want to do this. And, um, and I told my mother at I'd gone home for Christmas and uh, I told my mother, we were talking and I said, you know, I just don't want to date anymore. So I don't really think I need to get married. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'll just, that's nothing I really am anxious to do or, and I really wasn't, mm-hmm. I was looking at life, you know, my career and I still was traveling. And I liked doing that. And all those things were still there. And my mother 
told me later that as we were walking across that parking lot and I was telling her that and she said it was like she was just like gripped and she said oh I don't want her to grow old alone and be alone (laughs) and it was then that that was Christmas and my mother really began seriously praying Mm -hmm. that I would meet somebody and and I uh, had dated quite a few guys at the time and I just stopped going out and lo and behold, he called me and I had never met him. He, he was um, friends with the guy that my roommate was dating. And uh, so John had told him to call me and he, and he did, he called me and asked me out. And, um, and I can still remember standing there holding the phone thinking, Oh, I don't know if I want to do this. (laughs) And, but primarily because of the relationship between my roommate and her, uh, her beau, I said, oh, okay. You know, and I I agreed and we went out. Well, you know, we went out and we saw a double feature. Do they do that anymore? Double feature (laughs) movies. I don't think so. (laughs) And, um, and we talked and talked and talked and, and um, she was um, away that weekend and we, we came back to the apartment and I invited him in and we had, uh, you know, some coffee or something and just talked some more and then he left. Well, you know, and I had, we had a really good time mm-hmm. and uh, we were from similar backgrounds in terms of our coming from Christian homes and growing up in the church and mm-hmm. things that were familiar to each of us and um and and I thought oh this was this was good and uh I I was kind of thinking oh I'd like to go with him again and so then my roommate came home and we were talking and I said yeah I really liked him and so this next during the next week she she talked to her boyfriend and she said to me she came home and she said you didn't tell me you invited him in (laughs) (laughs) because I was very private about Mm -hmm. my life and I was not going to invite just some person into my home Mm -hmm. but I really liked him yeah (laughs) and so we we began going out and it was only three months later that we got married Mm -hmm. and uh well you didn't waste any time girlfriend no well (laughs) my mother had a tremendous prayer life <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so we we got married and uh during that first year of marriage I was finishing up my master's and uh, I was trying to be super wife being you know so I wanted to be so perfect for him uh just mark that off your list of possibilities if yeah. you, uh, because I I've had a cold the entire time, the whole year. And so, and during that time, he um, was ad- admitted to go to graduate school the next fall. So I had to finish mine up there mm-hmm. then so we could go. So um, as soon as we moved to Richmond and he, I, I think there were things happening, but he really fell into a depression, mm-hmm. a really a clinical depression. He, you know, really didn't. And he had anxiety attacks and things. And uh, I don't really even now, I don't think he ever was able to define a why, mm-hmm. but it was an awful time. He 
we didn't really go any place. We never went out to eat. We, uh, you know, we went, uh, there was, he could go a certain distance from the house and then we'd have to turn the car around, come back. And, um, and he, he, he went to graduate school. I don't know how he did it actually. He just took a deep breath and did it. Yeah. Um, and, and during that time, I mean, it was just an awful time for him and for me too. Uh, because I just didn't know what to do with it. And there came this moment when I said uh, to Rick, and we had not gone to church. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm, I'm going to go back. To, I'm going to go to church. And there was a church close by. And I went and um, by myself. And I went for a few Sundays. And then they announced uh, a concert of a, a Southern gospel group. And mm-hmm. he always, my husband always loved that. Mm-hmm. And so we, I said, oh, there's a group going to be there and you, you probably would like to hear them. So we went and he's talking to the pastor. Now I'm telling you about this clinical depression. Nobody knew. Mm-hmm. He was just the same. He talked to people and he was doing all of these uh, things. I can remember going with him to meet with people. He was uh, getting a master's in community organization and social work. And so you know, he went to lots of groups, he met different people, he had uh, placements with uh, like Catholic charities, he worked with Catholic charities, and then he also worked for um, another community organizer in the city, and and so there were always things happening, yeah, and he was, he would push through, he pushed through, yeah, and um, and so he met the pastor, and the pastor was very, you know, friendly and nice to him and we did come from these christian backgrounds we knew the language yeah and um and so we we started going he went he was comfortable there it was church Mm -hmm. and uh we the pastor was just a fine man he was just so gentle with us Mm. and um i don't think he knew how fragile we were Mm. but uh at the end of school, he's of uh, Rick's school, and we were going back to Rhode Island because he had a work commitment there. So we were going back there, and the pastor said, "You know, Rick, it'd really be good if you could stay and be the youth pastor for the summer." And um, I personally was not in favor of that because pastoral work was not my idea of a good time. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and I do remember, though, this one moment that in, Rick was talking to me about it and he's saying, oh, well, you know, but I couldn't do that. And and, and there was it took uh, these words were in me and I knew they were just kind of welling up uh-huh. and uh, choking me sort of. And I can remember standing there saying, taking this deep breath, saying, uh-huh. well, you could do that. Yeah, <laughs> and the die was cast, and we did that. We we stayed that summer to work with the youth at that church, and part of the the working with them was to take them to a camp, yeah, uh, in the mountains of Virginia. And we did. We went up there, and I look back at that. It's just very hazy, but God was so at work because God was just saying, you know, here you are, you guys. You have um, all the words. You know everything. I mean, you know a lot of scripture, 
you know all these things, but you don't know them. Mm. And Rick ran into this guy and he said to me, I think we need to talk to him. Uh, mm -hmm. And I said, okay. So he made an appointment with this guy and we met just in the woods there and on a, on a trail. And, um, and this, this man whose name I don't know, I don't remember. And we never saw him again. But he said to us, well, um, now when, when I speak to people about their relationship with the Lord, I always begin by giving them the time to uh, deal with any sin that may be in their lives and to talk to the Lord about it. So we're sitting on this bench and he said, so uh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just, you can just pray. And, you know, you're, he didn't need to know about it, but he's just said to pray. So we just bowed our heads. Well, for me, it was like um, a spotlight in that just roamed around in, in me. I'm not a very, I'm not a person who's visual in that sense and have, you know, but it was that way. And it would come to rest on certain areas in mm -hmm. that represented areas in my life. Yeah. Um, to me, one was my red sofa. I love my red sofa. And it was like, God was saying, are you willing to give me this? Mm -hmm. And I was feeling desperate for Jesus. And mm -hmm. I said, oh yeah, I don't care about that. If kids come to our house and want to sit on it, it's all right. <laughs> and the red sofa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that sofa. And, uh, and there were just different things. The final thing was my husband. That, that, that spotlight rested on him. And, and God said, you know, are you willing to give him to me? And I said, oh, no, I can't do that. Hmm. Um, I had because uh, my I was afraid of losing him. Hmm. I had been afraid of losing him. I was uh, that's I think would be the reason for my being the perfect wife uh -huh. um, yeah. that I was afraid of losing him. And I was just I and I said to God, "Oh, I can't do that." Hmm. Can you imagine saying that to God? <laughs> and I did. I, I can't do that. And this man who I don't know and was just there that one time in my life interrupted my prayer. And he said to me, um, you know, I don't usually interrupt people when they're praying like this, but he said, um, Linda, I really feel like I need to tell you this. And he said, Rick really loves you. And it was like, not, uh, not that I needed to hear that Rick loved me. I needed that from God to know that God knew all my fearful thoughts about that. Yeah. That God says, you know, you don't have to worry about that. I know. I've heard it all. I know. And it was like this moment. And I said, okay, you can have him. And I think back um, to what it would have meant if I had continued saying no to that mm. and been insecure in my love with my husband. Mm. 
because through all of ministry, I would have been an interruption saying, well, do you still love me? Mm. Are you going to do this for me? How do I know that you love me? And he would never have been free to be what God wanted him to be. Wow. Yeah. I love that you're highlighting to our listeners that God, that freedom in Christ is better than a red couch. That's right. Yes. And that freedom is Christ is better than the grip we have on relationships. Mm-hmm. That I think when we let go of our grip of control, we actually, the freedom we have gives us better relationships with our red couch That's and our right. husband. That's right. And exactly. I, I think why we have those better relationships is we're living in the sweeter purposes of God. So thank you for highlighting that. I sat there thinking, wow, there's so many good things you've been saying. And <laughs> I, uh, I, I got the notes. Yeah. I, it reminds me um, just on that giving of your husband, I had a moment, I probably have told you about it, but there was a moment when we were first married and, um, and I remember laying in bed, I think he was asleep next to me. And I just thought I was gripped with fear, you know, that um, I was just having this realization that I couldn't control what other cute girls come in front of him or, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I couldn't control where his eyes were. I couldn't control it. And, um, and I really, I remember just laying there thinking, I can't, I can't control it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I've, you know, when you have these moments where the Lord just comes and speaks to you so clearly, and, and I just felt the Lord said to me, no, you can't. Karna. It's true. <laughs> and he's, he said, you know, but what you can know for sure is that my eyes are always on you mm-hmm. and they never stray. And I, it was like this moment of like, okay. I remember it was like a surrender moment, mm-hmm. just like that. Of, okay. God. Well, I think, okay. I think we, as women, the, the things we grip the most, we want to grip the most because fear makes us grip and that's the least productive way to live with in relationship with any of those things. Yeah. And that it would have been, you probably would have had a worse life with a grip around Preston and a grip around Rick and a grip around Brian, than really the freedom to let go and love them yes. as just adults. And then I think that freedom brings in a respect or something. I don't know. I think our fear attracts what we are afraid of. And when you all let go of that and the listeners let go of these things we're afraid of, we're not even attracting the fear because we're walking in the faith. Mm-hmm. Good mom. Yes. Good Karna. So we good. all need to let go of our husbands and our children and our red couches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a real turning point for you yes, and your and dad too, in your walk with the Lord. Yes, it was. It was totally, uh, Life was never the same after that day. It's more freedom, uh, right? Yeah. And it was just like uh, things fell into perspective then. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like colors were more impressive, you know, mm-hmm. nature was more beautiful. Everything mm-hmm. fell into place as to what it should be. Mm-hmm. And um, not that everything was easy in life then right. but uh that was like the 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 critical principle that that god was in control of my life and i was gonna i was gonna go along with that yeah i wasn't gonna fight him on that and if that's what 
if whatever it was, I had I made that commitment that I was going to be um, trusting him to do what was best. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that I was always happy about everything, but I I do think that when God pointed out to me that he always knew what was going on inside of me, yeah. um, that I thought, oh, I can trust you mm. because he knew everything. Rick didn't know. Right. That's it right. God, God knew it all. And, and to this day, that's that decision and that moment still bears fruit in my life. Yeah. Why, why is it that we always we don't know the future for our husbands, our children, or even ourselves. And yet we want to grip, but we don't know, but we hate to give it like the, you know, the two fish and the five slows. We hate to give it to the knower yeah. who does know yeah. this doesn't even make sense. Right. It makes sense that our grip of fear when we don't know and fear makes us grip because we don't know. And, and the release to give it to the knower brings such freedom. I love Linda, when you said colors were more colorful, come on listeners, come on. Don't we all need to let go of the grip of fear and control so that the colors, so that we can just live in freedom. You both are pastors, wives. I'm so impressed. You could (laughs) never launch your guys with a grip around their neck. That's right. That's so true. No, 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 no. Yeah. Super. And I think, I think we can both, you know, I, I love that you said I can trust you to the Mm -hmm. Lord and that, um, you know, I had a very similar experience, even in my courtship with Preston and, Mm -hmm. and it really wasn't that, uh, Oh, Preston loves you so much. If that, I mean, yes, those things were communicated, but what I was so moved by was that God knew my inner thoughts in my whole courtship, you know? And so that really has been the foundation. It's really fun for me as your daughter, like making these connections, like we had the same foundation. I didn't even know that we (laughs) stood so firmly on the same kind of foundation. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Next week, we'll bring you another tender conversation with my mom about loss, parenting, and grace. Please share this episode with a friend if you know it would encourage her. And as always, it helps us out if you like and subscribe to this podcast. We love to hang out with you on Facebook and our group, Finding the Hidden Jewels. And make sure you check out the show notes and our blog over at hiddenjewelspodcast.com. You can also find out more info about working with us at roxanneparks.com or karnaatkinson.com. Okay, y'all, until next time, remember, you are a precious jewel in the eyes of Jesus. Your story matters. Let the world see you so they may see him. Thank you.